Death Before Booze may discuss controversial or sensitive topics and is not appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. We are on episode 20, episode 20, and it's Valentine's Day week. Valloween, this is Valloween, this is Valloween, 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 I like that better. I think we should just have an extra Halloween. Yeah, Valloween. But that's just me. Well, actually, somebody on like Etsy that came across our Instagram made it up. And we're jumping on the bandwagon because we need yeah, another fine. Halloween. And I mean, we put a lot of hearts with our Halloween, so why not just make it Halloween? It kind of yeah. is the same thing. Um, it is. We do some quick, uh, you know, day-to-day shit. Thank you, everybody who listens. Thank you, everybody, for liking and following. And we're getting messages. We got a message. We actually got somebody saying, hey, you should do this uh, topic. i not yes, telling you which- that. I'm not telling the topic because one, I don't remember it, and two, I want it to be a surprise. I should have switched. Those I'm around. looking into it. Yeah. I, I, I'm letting her know that I'm, I'm digging a little bit deeper and seeing where it's going to fit because it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy one. But all so the, all the beautiful, super sweet words everybody keeps putting up on like our instagram posts and our facebook stuff and messages you guys are so sweet and we're so happy that you like us so far they really like us they like me they really (laughs) like us like oh my god it's so sweet and we're so happy so that was the first thing and the second thing is um although this comes out what is this the day after this comes out the day before valentine's day we are recording this on february 4th so we just had our giveaway draw and yep. lauren mishkin congratulations girl Yay. she won so she got what did she get she got a coffee mug a t-shirt she got stickers stickers she got her uh, shout eight. out hey girl hi and then hey, she, girl, gets, hi. she gets to pick a topic she gets to pick a topic so, so lauren let us know keep you that can, brewing you can either pick a topic or pick a case and we will figure out a topic around said case. But this is all you, girl. All you. No pressure. Don't fuck up. <laughs> Don't fuck up. Don't fuck it up, bro. Pick something. I good. love it so much. Um. Okay. I think that's it for me and our housekeeping. How are you, Jen? Yeah. What are you doing? Good. Good. How are you, Sam? I'm good. You know, good. we're making it. Yeah. We're here. It's it's I, finally February as opposed to January that takes five years. Was it me or was January the longest year of 2024? Like, it's I feel like it didn't always stop. the longest year of every year. Oh, my God. I was literally answering always. calls going, yeah, I've only written, you know, 2023 about 20 <laughs> times today. So we're doing better than we were <laughs> yesterday. But other than that, oh, yeah. shit. So I guess we already kind of covered the topic for today's episode. Uh it's Halloween. Halloween. The smooth stylings of Halloween. Here we are. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so we are covering our Halloween specials. Um, yes. So pretty much these are either couple crimes or ha crimes that happen to a couple. I'm just telling you all like what our description of this was. Yeah. So anything to do with a couple, whether they committed the crime or the crime was committed against them. That was our little parameter for this one. Yeah. Um, that was the parameter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm ready. I got my coffee. I got my water. I got my microphone. Can you tell me a story? I am going to tell you a story. So I am doing the killing spree of Charles Starkweather. A spree? I'm so excited. Charles Starkweather was born November 24th, 1938. He was the fourth of seven kids to a working class. So here's my, here's my too many kids. Kids, dude. That's my For someone kids. who doesn't want kids, you talk about kids a full time. I'm just saying. I mean, do with that information as you see fit. But you just like to talk about the women whose I don't are understand. You just I find don't them. know. <laughs> oh my god! So he is from a working class family in a small town called Lincoln, Nebraska. So oh, we're I've heading heard of to that. Nebraska. Lincoln, yeah, Nebraska. We're heading to Nebraska. He was born with genuvarum, which is a mild birth defect causing his legs to be misshapen and like bow-legged. And he had a little bit of a speech impediment. NBD. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind um, of normal. I get it. Yeah. The problem is, of course, kids are cruel. So you know how that goes. So he was six really siblings, so good... you get it all the time. Right. So he didn't really have fun there. Upon Going into his, he seemed to have like a kind of a normal upbringing. His parents seemed normal as far as I read. One of his high school friends recalled, quote, he could be the kindest person you've ever seen. He'd do anything for you if he liked you. But he had this other side. He could be mean as hell and cruel. So oh boy. he also had this obsession with wanting to mimic James Dean at the time was I mean, the the rebel without a cause and, yeah. i mean i would want to be james dean exactly except I mean, when he had the the last car that like killed him that i don't want he yeah, can keep that that I, that he thing's cursed that. <laughs> it is it's cursed so, it's like a legit thing it's been proven probably, by someone probably we should cover that one day james dean's yeah. car i saw james it it's in, or i saw a part of the car it's at the zach bagels place of course it is. Of course he has it. Oh, yeah, no. He, <laughs> he has everything. has it. He has it. He has every fucking thing. By the time Charles dropped out of school, his family was actually afraid of him because he had violent outbursts. Okay. Just, I guess, is going off of the I want to be too cool for school type of thing, whatever. And one of his neighbors... On one of the documentaries I watched, said he just kind of he just looked mean, like he was this kind of kid that just looked like he was an asshole. Well, when you well, said he was bowlegged, it kind of made me think of old westerns, like you know where they yeah, like square right? up kinda, in like the middle of the like, main street and they're like, "This town ain't big enough for the two of us." Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that's the bowlegged, and then he's being mean. Like that's like what I'm picturing. Yeah. And I think that's what he was going for. I think that was his whole thing. Yeah. So he had a job as a as a garbage man. And this is where he actually met 
depending on the source, depends on the age. People have said she was 13, 14, or 15. Either way, he was 19. So it's a little bit of a, you know. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't so like he that. Met... Like, not even a little bit. No. Okay. Carol Fugate. Carol her? is. Do we, do we not like her? This okay, is so where I the controversy comes I can make fun of her then. Okay. Keep going. Her name also is not spelled regularly that you would um, spell Carol. It's with an I. So it's C-A-R-I-L. It's kind of interesting. I've never seen it spelled that way before. Sounds like mom didn't I, know how to spell at the hospital when she gave birth to her. It could be, but it actually makes, it actually works. Carol. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not works. saying I hate it. And now you can put the little, the little heart over the I when she's in like first and second grade. Exactly. So you're really just giving her artistic license. That was kind of nice of them. Though. Exactly. Yeah. So she didn't really have an ideal upbringing. Um, yeah. She had mom, stepdad, and a baby sister. She came from a poorer section of town, so she was kind of known as the white trash type. And she was, gasp, having sex. So, of course, automatically, during this time period... Where are my pearls? God forbid... Where are my pearls? Young women Holy having shit. sex. How dare you explore your sexuality? Well, she's 13. I think that's a little young. But 15, I mean, I don't love it. I get it. It's... It depends on the source because literally every single source that I looked at said 13, 14, or 15. None of them said the same. So different, but not I'm really. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with 14 because it's the middle ground. But 15 makes it a little bit better. But 13 is gross. A 13 and a 19 year old. I really hate that. I really. It's, hate it's that. gross. I mean, the 15, the 19-year-old I don't love, but at least, you know, that's a it's, freshman it's, and a senior in high school or like a, a sophomore like a, and a he senior. He just graduated. Like, he yeah. could have been late in his class or he got left back one year. Like, right. babies. People assume that the two were inseparable. Like, they were, they had this obsessive type of relationship. Either way, it did seem like Charles was obsessed with her. He actually found ways to meet her when she was coming home from school type of thing like on her way home like walking um it's it's obsessive it seems like he and people kind of attributed to he was this bad boy persona and he found this girl who liked him and said you know wanted to be with him she's a young girl and when you're that age and someone shows interest in you yeah that's like great you know Especially like when, when you're older it's like exactly look at me. Like, it's like hey this. look at i have a, I have a boyfriend who's you know like that's so oh, wait, that's all i'm picturing is her playing hopscotch with her little girlfriends going i have a boyfriend guys i have a boyfriend oh and he's I'm so cool and he's, he has a job. Now. he's got a job he buys me things he bought me my ring pop you know it's actually funny because this is kind of where the first thing started so oh he would get he would go to her after she got out of school. He actually taught her how to drive. But what ended up happening was that she ended up crashing the family car because he clearly didn't know how to do it correctly. Um, so Carol's parents were like, you know what? No, we don't like this guy. He's bad news. Fuck him. Okay. Fine. This is where all the good Charles things start also, happening. Yeah, ex exactly. This is already a recipe for disaster. We're doing great. He, he started developing a nihilistic worldwide view. So he started to live his life, quote, striving to satisfy his biological needs to acquire power over others. So 
I'm, I'm hearing rape. Good. I'm just hearing rape. Like, yeah, I'm hearing bad, bad things. I don't like it at all. His personal philosophy was dead people are all the same, all on the same level. So that automatically goes, this is a red flag. This is red flag central. This is catfish says, don't even fucking go here. <laughs> like, all over the place. I'm so taken aback. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> dead yeah. people are all on the same level. I mean, you know what? He's, He's not, not wrong, wrong, but at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, like, well, November 30th, 1957, Charles went to the service station because he found a stuffed animal that he wanted to get for Carol. Now, he was trying to ask the guy, the attendant, Robert Colvert, can I get this on credit? You know, I'll yeah. take it now. I'll pay you eventually. And the attendant's like, no, we don't do that. So no. Okay. He got pissed off and got all huffy, but he walked out. Now he surveyed the station two more times. So he kind of did a little like loop around okay. two more times after this. Now he came back in after the last time and he held up the service station. So he had a gun, held up the service station. Robert can't open the safe. So he's like, I don't, I can't give you any money because I don't know how to open the fucking safe. So he gave him the hundred dollars that was in the register. Charles then forced Robert into his own car, which he took him down a, a rural area. There was a little bit of a struggle and Charles killed Robert with several shots to the head. And then he disposed of him in the river to avoid questioning. Okay. Um, a lot just happened here. Let's unpack real quick. I know. Quick. Yeah. Did he get the stuffed animal? <laughs> <laughs> no. He just got the hundred dollars. Fucking a hundred dollars? Like you're gonna? And the guy's like, I can't open the safe. I and mean, he's like, the whole is a lot, but the whole point was to get the stuffed animal, bro. The stuffed you, animal. You didn't even like complete the assignment. Like, what the fuck? I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> I. <laughs> so we killed this guy because he wouldn't yep. let us. One, he wouldn't let us have the thing on credit. And then yeah. we didn't even come. Like, it's you killed him for no fucking no. reason, bro. It, exactly no and that's reason. this is bizarre because charles has no reason for anything damn but because of the fact that the body was disposed in the river he was found and it, it kind of there's no connection to anybody and i don't think that there were surveillance cameras at the time the so he's probably not. he wasn't connected yeah no two months later is when the spree starts to kind of get a little bit crazy so January 1958, he went to Carol's home. She wasn't home. Her family was like, fuck you. We don't like you. We're not letting you in the house. That's just how it's going to be. No. Well, he shot her parents. And he clubbed her two-year-old sister to death with the butt of his rifle. Fuck no. 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 No, why? No, why? Does he this, then hid their the... bodies outside 
some of them were in the outhouse outside and one of them was in the chicken coop behind the house so they weren't even in the house he dragged them to the back yeah like there's a little i guess it's like a it's where you i want to say it's It's yeah but i don't know if it yeah i don't know if it was I'm going to go with it was that because I heard outhouse and I thought like shed type of area, but then someone was in the chicken coop. So I'm going to go with, you know what? He just fucking, I don't know. He, he I don't know. It wasn't great. Okay. Well, if, if, we're, if we're being honest, can we not, I don't want it to be the outhouse, like the shit house. Cause all I'm picturing is like the hole where you shit and he shoved them down there. I see. I don't think that and that, I, that, I think like it's more like all. a, sh- I think it's more like the shed area. At least that's what I got because it's the fifties. So I'm thinking that there's bathrooms in the house, right? Yeah, but you're in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's true. You know what? It was a shed. It was a shed. It wasn't a shit We're shed. We're going to go with a shed. a shed. It's a fucking shed. <laughs> it's it's a don't... shed. It's a shit shed. It's just But then there was, it was crazy that he put them separate places, but then one of put, them was in the chicken coop. Did he put the baby coop. in the chicken coop? He probably wanted the chicken to I think it was mom. Them. Okay, chickens can't take care of a whole, like, pigs could. There was literally, yeah, there was literally no, no, I don't think he had a plan. I think it was just kind of like, all right, we're just going to put them here. That's apparent. (laughs) We didn't have a plan. Say less. I mean. (sighs) When he was interviewed later on, Charles claimed Carol was home the whole time. Carol says she arrived home. He greets her and she's like, okay. He says her family was being held hostage. So I'm holding your family hostage. And if you cooperate, they'll live. So she was running under the the, um, impression that they were somewhere. She didn't know where they were alive. And if she did what he wanted him to her to do, that they would be fine. So there's a lot of, mixed energy here but the two of them stayed in the house for a week oh they play oh they were playing they were playing house oh i don't yeah like okay really quick i'm sorry this is really gonna bother me though if i don't ask it was she like excited to see him like was she happy he was there or was she like ew go away i'm over you like see that i'm assuming is a oh he's here and then he's like Guess what, bitch? You're gonna do what I want you to do. So I'm, I'm assuming based on everything else, she came in and was like, "I'm surprised you're here, but maybe that's a good thing." And then he's like, "Hey, this is the deal." Okay. Okay. I don't think it was a "I'm over you." I think it was just a "I'm surprised by you being here." Got it. When I'm not home, type of thing. Especially because she knew her parents did not like him. Yeah. So for the entire week they were inside they didn't leave she actually left a note on the door saying the family had the flu so to stay away so there was a lot of now it got to a point where a week like after the week grandma called the police and was like something's fucking going on because nobody's answering the door she says they're sick i haven't heard from anybody so you gotta go check (laughs) great at this point carol and charles already took off to another place because okay. I think that they kind of knew after the last person was like, hey, so uh, we really need to talk to people. They were like, yeah, we need to go. Yeah. 
The police did find Carol's family a few days later. So they did the wellness check at the house, saw nothing in the house. But then a few days later, they went to the back. And that's where they found them in the chicken coop. And... Oh, my God. The smell. <sighs> yeah. Chickens and death. That's terrible. I hate it. I hate it. <clears throat> so <clears throat> Carol and Charles took the car and they drove to a farmhouse of 70-year-old August Meyer, who was friends of the family. Charles claims August came to the door with a shotgun, so he felt threatened. He's not his property. August was shot in the head. Wow. Shot. And then they drove his car out. Oh, okay. That, okay. I hate that. Charles ended up not being a great driver, as we know. So he ended <laughs> up driving the car. <laughs> he ended up driving the car into mud, oh, so he couldn't get it out, so they needed to ditch the car got mud in the tires robert jensen and carol king two just teenagers happened to be driving on the street robert and carol ended up stopping because they saw the two of them on the road Mm -hmm. and they went to help charles forced the two of them to drive back to the farmhouse where he already killed august he forced them into the storm cellar Robert was shot in the back of the head, so probably on his way down. He just, you know. Uh, There were signs of a sexual assault with Carol. I hate Um, it. Like, it seems as though Charles tried but failed to assault her. We're going to just. She fought like hell. Hope she kicked him in the I think she probably did. Good for her. Now, Charles claimed that his Carol was involved in this other girl's murder because jealousy a bonnie and clyde type of thing whatever carol says that she wasn't the two of them after this they kind of closed the storm the storm cellar whatever drove out to a wealthy area of lincoln nebraska so a little bit on the outskirts the owners of the home chester ward and clara that just sounds very you know it just sounds very Chester and Clara yeah, just Chester. sounds We're very wealthy. Come along, Clara. It doesn't it sound that way? Yeah, that's I a was like, name. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> I bet you have like six of those in your your glass somewhere. Judgy. <laughs> 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 so the two of them weren't home, but the maid was home and answered the door. Oh no! So, <laughs> the poor maid. Charles went in the house, stabbed her to death along with the family dog. I am crossing no! over that because I don't no! like that. Not the dog! I, hate it. No! I, can't, I can't handle it. They could have left that fact out and I would have been fine. I, I just I don't like it. I hate him so much oh, right yeah. now. Clara arrived home. So of course when she comes into the house she was stabbed and killed as well. <gasps> don't like it. Charles claims Carol stabbed her to death after he threw the knife at Clara. So he kind of did a ninja star with the knife. And <laughs> after that, Yo, imagine, Carol took over. Imagine if when he threw the knife, it didn't even stab her. Like, she just kind of got hit with, like, the blood. And then I was like, the fuck? And then here's this little 13-year-old, like a spider monkey, like, ah! Absolutely positive it didn't happen like that. I'm absolutely positive I this dickhead like, fucking did it. But like, <laughs> I'm gonna go out on the limb and say I don't think it happened. That, that did not happen like that at all. But it'd be really fun. I mean, 
if you also look at pictures of of Carol, she is very she's small. She's very thin. She's very like so. How would she overtake somebody? Like, I get like an like me. I don't even know how old Clara was. I think they were in their fifties. But if there's a child, like, how do they overpower you? Like, I... yeah, I mean, a thirteen year old. I'd be like, yo, bitch, step off. Yeah, away. Yeah, <laughs> get it. just put your hand out on their head, and they're like, like <laughs> trying to punch you. It's like good try, good job, bro. Chester came home after, and Charles shot him when he walked in the door as well. So why so, were we playing with knives this whole time? We could have just shot everybody and made it simple. Like, he I, has a rifle. Like, he has like, a high-powered weapon. But the, the knifing kind of, like, stabbing feels like it would be more painful and a lot more exerting of energy. Why personal. not just shoot It's them? a lot more personal. Yeah, we don't even know these so, bitches. I can't. No. So the paper had arrived at the house the next day. Okay. And the two had cut out the article about Carol's family being found dead because news didn't travel as fast. Scrapbook. So this, so this put to to doubt the idea that she still had no idea that her family was unharmed. Which is the reason why this is going to come up with a controversy where people are like, well, she knew already. Blah blah blah. All right. Well, we'll get to Carol. And- okay. They stole the family's black 1956 Packard. They stole some jewelry. And then they took off. Okay. Now, this caused panic because there are bodies all over like they, where they traveled. A lot of people even recalled during the time saying, like, my parents had rifles by the door. So if people were to come, because they just came in the house and these people were killed, there was no motive. It's just, there's two teenagers that tried to help you. There's these rich people. There's this old guy who lives, there's no like correlation. It was bizarre. So during that time, in those weeks, people were panicked and like, who, what the fuck? I hate that. But now they did pick up on the car because they said Chester's car was taken. So they put out, you know, hey, keep on the lookout for this. So once the car was ID'd, Charles is like, you know what? Got it. Got to ditch it. <laughs> they ran into a traveling salesman. Oh, no. Merle. Col- Merle. Collison. Yeah, Merle. Merle. Nice knowing you, yeah. Merle. Like, like the Walking Dead Merle. <laughs> I never watched that show. Don't hate me. You're not missing anything. I like the first couple seasons were really good, and then after a while, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So, got it. The traveling salesman Merle was sleeping in his car just outside of Wyoming. After he woke up, because they, That's you know, shut the window, they shot him and took his car, or Charles shot him and took his car. Yeah, That's, that checks. Charles claims. <laughs> That Carol finished him off, and she was, quote, the most trigger-happy person he ever saw, which she, of course, denied. <laughs> now, we know Charles isn't very bright. What? Because he dropped out of school. What? <laughs> but also the driving thing doesn't really do well. So he didn't realize that the parking brake of this particular car was... <laughs> I can't. 
What's that burning smell? <laughs> no, he couldn't even get it to move because I guess this particular <laughs> car, it's kind of like if you're if you've never driven stick and you're trying and it's constantly stalling, I feel like that's kind of what happened to him where he's like Okay, the br- I don't know how to get because I don't know how it was structured, but he couldn't figure it out. Okay. So now, Good Samaritan number fifteen on their travel. Wait, this guy's great. First of all, his name is Joe Sprinkle. That's a fucking amazing. Oh. I love oh, that. I'm in Joe Sprinkle. Good for Joe Sprinkle. Good, good job. Good. He I happened to be passing did. by. Yeah. Okay. He happened to be passing by, and he's like, oh. This kid seems to be having trouble with his car, but he can't get the fucking parking brake. So he offers to help. Don't do it, Joe. Charles threatens him with a rifle, but Joe Sprinkle was like, go fuck yourself. And there was a little bit of an altercation. He didn't get a chance to shoot him. In the meantime, Sheriff's Deputy William Romer happened to be coming on the scene, like happened to be driving by. As this is happening. So he's like, okay, I got to stop. As he pulls up, Carol rushes over to him and is like, Starkweather, he's going to kill me. So Charles sees this all happening, takes off. But Joe did show him how to remove the brake. So Joe showed him how to remove the brake. And that's when before he got shot. So Joe Sprinkle is like fucking like amazing. He fought back. He lived. He lived. Awesome. He lived. Love this. Lived. Okay, I feel better now. He lived. Sprinkle. So Charles him. takes off because after he show after the break was out, he's like, "Okay, fuck this." He leads police on a chase, and police kept firing bullets at the car. One of them hits the windshield, or a couple, and there's shattered glass everywhere. So there's the glass happens to cut Charles, causing him to bleed. So he stops and he surrenders. Oh, no. Now on his oh, capture, the upon capture, the cop said, quote, he thought he was bleeding to death. That's why he stopped. That's the kind of yellow son of a bitch he is. <laughs> so yeah. Yellow and, son of a bitch. Yeah. I love yellow as I a, love that too. as a, it goes- you're it goes back to our gunslinging in the beginning we were talking about. Exactly. Like, yeah, you're yellow So it's belly. just so funny. Love you're yellow that. belly. Yellow belly. Probably had like a paper cut on his index finger. Like, oh, baby, oh. <laughs> I want the Power Rangers one. <laughs> Charles chose to be extradited in Nebraska despite one of the murders occurring in Wyoming. And his capture happening in wyoming so he's like i want to go back to nebraska fine i guess they give you a choice at first he claimed he did kidnap carol he said she had nothing to do with it It, this was all his idea but he changed his story a couple of times and this is the reason why he says she did something and she says she didn't so she even actually he actually testified at her trial saying that she was a willing participant, which she continued to deny. She said no. But the problem with this particular panic, similar to any type of panic, the town is looking for blood, and they see two people. So they see, they see it as a Bonnie and Clyde. That's what they see. Oh. Author Harry McLean, who is a true crime author, he was 15 when the crimes occurred. So this got him to write a book 
about this particular thing. The book he wrote was Starkweather, The Untold Story of the Killing Spree That Changed America. Does he want to be he on described show? the crimes. <laughs> I mean, I would love that. Mr. Mr. McLeod, please. Mr. McLeod, if you want if you listen, let us know. One and two. I would love that. We would love for please you to come be on. on our show. Come be on our show. I would love to hear your your point of view instead of me being like, here's what he said in an interview. Yeah, I'd love it no, to be you from can you. say it right to us. It's fine. Let me know. So he described the crimes, but he also described how Carol was railroaded by authorities here. Police assume she had to have something to do with it because she had to be guilty of something. And in his words, he was like, they, the minute they picked up Starkweather, they're like, we have to get her too, because how could she not be guilty of something? She's 13 or 15. This is like, you know what she did? She sat there with her eyes shut and covered going, holy shit, there's more blood. Don't let it get on my dress. Like, that's exactly what she did. This is kind of what also prosecutors continued to push at her trial. Like, how were you there? Like, you had so many, you had so much time to escape. Why didn't you escape? The typical fucking bullshit. Where is she going to go? She's 13 to 15. Like, what the fuck is she going to do? Like, okay. She's terrified. A 15 year old. Okay. She's literally watched this man stab and murder how many fucking people. I'm not going to run. Yeah. Yeah. He's gonna come after me next. I'm not stupid. Exactly. Gotta, because yeah, you gotta I, play the long game for this one. And that's exactly what she did. She played that perfectly, in my yeah. humble opinion. I mean I'm not like an expert or anything. I just have a podcast. <laughs> we we just have a podcast. Just have a podcast. I'm not like an expert or anything. <laughs> McQueen said she was, quote, a hostage of an angry man with a death wish who wanted to drag everyone to hell with him, which completely makes sense. Golf claps up. Yeah. The fact also that she seemed remorseless because she didn't confess. Everyone was like, that's the thing. So she had to get something. The fact that she had no remorse, she was confused. Like she refused to say she did anything. And it's like, well, usually if you're innocent, you don't you don't say, Oh yeah, I did that to get less time. Like what 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 are they looking for? It didn't make any sense. I don't like it. They're being stupid. So it was kind of like the moment where the public was pushing the cops this was maybe an agenda of some kind. Charles was tried and convicted of murder, and he was executed June 25th, 1959, at Nebraska State Penitentiary. I do know his last meal, if you'd like. Yes, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to go. I I looked it up specifically for you. So, they offered him steak. Yum. He refused, and he had cold cuts instead. Oh, I mean, I don't hate that plan. It's it's modest. It's it's just a modest thing. Did he get, like, a Jersey Mike's, like a sandwich? What did he get, like a 13? I think they just kind of gave him cold cuts and he kind of like just ate them. I don't know. But cold cuts instead of the steak. So like, okay. 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 Um, He continued to say the entire time Carol was a willing participant. He even wrote, in a way, I'm not sorry at all because Carol and me had more fun than we ever did in our life. He had really no last words when he was executed, Mm -hmm. but that was in a letter to his father. Like, I don't feel bad. And he never felt bad. Like, he was on the stand and never, never fucking felt bad about anything. I don't like so, that. Now, Carol was also tried and convicted of being an accomplice. 
but she was sentenced to life in prison. But wait, her sentence was commuted to 30 to 50 years, and she was eligible for parole in 1973. She was eventually paroled after serving 18 years. So she got out. But she still had to sit in jail for almost 20 years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't love it. According to McLean's interview, Carol was a modest prisoner. She helped the younger inmates adjust to incarceration. She worked many jobs, including she was a nanny for local kids. You don't just give someone who's in prison, hey, watch my kids, if she wasn't actually, like, not dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. But also, why would you ask someone to watch your kids if you knew she was incarcerated? Like, that's just yeah. a whole other thing. So after her release, she had a quiet existence. Nobody really heard from her. So in McLean's mind, he said, quote, the idea of this young girl became a bloodthirsty monster for a couple of weeks, but was a decent citizen. The rest of her life didn't make any sense. Yeah, Unquote. no. I mean, I, I have PMS too, but... It doesn't, like, function like that. Not for that. No, not so, for that. Despite this, Carol was denied a pardon from the crime in 2020. So I guess that she did say, hey, you know, I think she's in her, like, 80s, 90s at this point. Um, oh, but she asked. Yeah, because she's like, I didn't do it. And they're like, no. So she was denied the pardon. So it is on her record that she was an accomplice to this. She did admit to stealing a guy's wallet, but, like, I'm pretty sure it was a matter of, like, hey, here's the guy's wallet, and she took it and was like, okay. Like, yeah. I... So that's the situation with with this case, where I'm going, I get it. To this day, people are very much like, how the fuck did she do nothing? They were inseparable. Like, she liked the bad boy. She liked all this, and it's like... Just because I like but the bad boy she doesn't wasn't... mean I want to kill people. She wasn't violent prior. Yeah. He told her, I have your parents hostage, and if you do what I say, I'm, I'm, I'll let them live, not knowing they were dead, until maybe that moment where they got the newspaper, and she's like, fuck, you did kill my parents. Or maybe prior, she knew. Who knows? But you're right. She played that card where, when am I going to escape? Because you can't just, this isn't a matter of someone kidnaps you, and you're not like, I'm going to run away right away. No. You have to, there's got to be some. And even like, so, uh, where is she running to? She, like, her right. her whole world, she just found out. Like, let's say she didn't know. She saw the newspaper. Where is she supposed to go? Her parents, the people who are supposed to protect her, are gone. This guy gone. killed them. Where am I running to? Like, even if I ran away, who am I running to? Where am I running to? Does she know where she is? Right. You know, the, the fact that trashy, they drove like or like, you know, lower income. Sorry, trashy is not the right word. I apologize for that. But like that's what they viewed her yes. as. And that's if probably she was why lower income. It's not like she probably even knew exactly where she was half the time. Like, how far did she really travel outside of that area? Exactly. Now he's bringing her to the rich part of town. Like, was she a, I would be petrified. I don't belong here. I, this isn't where I came up. Now I'm going to Wyoming. And, like, it doesn't make yeah. sense. And, and I think a part of it was based on the, the crime writer. I really appreciated his view because watching the documentaries that I watched, they're convinced that she had something to do with it. Like, a lot of them are like, she had something to do with it. He gave the other view of, like, you know, 
she's young and like yeah sure this guy's paying attention to her but where is she gonna go how is she gonna fight back because if she even thinks i'm gonna grab a gun and try to get at him she doesn't know how to use it she doesn't know what she's doing so the fact that but the fact that she was from a lower income household she was promiscuous at a young age you know like these are things that she's a, a woman yeah in the that's 50s. what it is she's a fucking like, woman in the 50s and yeah so yeah. so this was a and and he said at first she had nothing to do with it and he's like you know what never mind she did I so i i kind of believe based on based on his track record of being a complete dickwad and killing someone over a stuffed animal like I'm thinking this was in his wheelhouse of I'm taking her down with me because fuck it. What yeah. do I have to lose? He didn't care. He knew especially, he was going to get executed. He didn't give a fuck. So especially because she ran from him to the cop. So yeah. like at first he's probably like, no, I love she her. Found... And then wait a minute. She betrayed yep. me. Let me change my yep. story. Fucking dick. I hate him. And here is where she found her opportunity because how are you going to warn these people that are trying to be helpful Samaritans to you? Like, she didn't know what to do. So, like, fuck it. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that. I liked nope. your story, but I didn't like Thanks. him. You did really good. No, he's an asshole. He's a, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> I don't like him. No, no, no. Ooh, okay, well, that was a story. I have another one. And it's like, oh, as you were telling me yours, they kind of parallel quite, um, quite a bit. I love it. So I am covering the Richardson family murders. Don't know if you've heard <laughs> of this. It's, it's a pretty uh, big case. So it takes place in 2006. Let's just jump right in. Huh. Um, in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. So April 23rd, 2006. We're in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. This community is just over 60,000 people. It had once been ranked as one of the best communities to live in and was described as a little safe haven. So I do like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 1 p.m. And the police respond to a wellness call that was requested by some neighbors. Upon entering the home... The bodies of 42-year-old Mark and 48-year-old Deborah Richardson, as well as their 8-year-old son Tyler, were found deceased. Mm. After a sweep of the property, the police realized that the fourth member of the family was missing, and the search mm. for a kidnapped victim ensues. Yeah. Let's rewind a little bit. Let's see how we got here. You know, we're going to Tarantino this yeah. a little bit. Add my little, <laughs> my little flair for the dramatic here. Okay. So we're going back early in 2006. Let's call it January, February. You know, the year of the month that never ends. 12-year-old um, Jasmine Richardson meets Jeremy Steinke, Steinke at a punk rock show. And she is immediately enamored. Absolutely obsessed. Loves this man. He is a self-proclaimed 300-year-old vampire or werewolf. Not really sure. They're interchangeable in most articles. See, a, a werewolf, a vampire. From here on out, I'm going to call him a werepire because I don't know what the fuck he is. These are different things. I thought so, too. <laughs> I mean, I read Dracula. 
that's a vampire. <laughs> I've seen the movie, a were- American Werewolf in Paris. That was a werewolf. Uh-huh. Yeah. But he's a werepire, apparently. I don't know. I, I, I'm i going to go with that. Um. So just a quick fun fact. Let's just do a little aside. Uh, Steinke's birth certificate says he's 23. <laughs> he's not a 300-year-old vampire. He's 23. And as we but said that's before, gross. Jasmine is She's 12. 12. Okay, cool. Blech. Yeah, that's not fun. That's not fun. Um, A hot take here. 23-year-old shouldn't have anything to do with a 12-year-old, especially in a romantic sense. Forget a 300-year-old werepire dude. Definitely should not be dealing with a 12-year-old. Did, did she tell him she was 16? Because sometimes... Um, give me a second. I'm going to get there. I'm sorry. No, no. You are absolutely fine. So, um... <laughs> Uh, let's let's we're gonna dive into jeremy just for like a second and a half maybe two he developed his 300 year old vampire werewolf persona at the age of 13 Mm -hmm. so you know good yeah so he's been living this 300 year old life for like 10 years good for him he's doing really good guys he didn't have the best upbringing his mother was an alcoholic his mom's partner abused jeremy daily regularly weekly whatever it was he was regularly bullied at school and he had already had a suicide attempt under his belt. So he's not having oh. the best time. Like he's not having the best upbringing and all that. Um, he also liked to wear a little vial of blood on a chain around his neck so he could prove to everybody that every so often he had a craving for blood and, you know, he was an immortal creature. And ew. <laughs> Just gross. I don't like that. Who's Whose blood is this? Is this is this great question great question i don't know but i don't like it yeah he's just got blood you know what i bet it's not even blood i bet it's like that fake shit you get at halloween at like you know oh yeah, yeah, yeah like that. and he's like i'm a badass I mean, listen i'm gonna look at my blood it looks like I'm a it. Badass. And it's like no bro that's corn syrup with red food dye fuck you um <laughs> So after their initial meeting at this punk rock show, and you know what? I tried to figure out what punk rock show it was. Like, I Googled venues at the time. I still have no clue which one or what the actual date was that they met. And every article I read was just they met at a punk rock show. Like, who are you seeing? I want to know. These right. are important facts I want to know. I need to know. What if we listen to the I same band in 2006? Like, guys. I need to I want to know if you have good taste. Thank you. Thank you. This could really change the entire story. <laughs> so after their initial meeting, they started chit-chatting on this really cool website called VampireFreaks.com, which has been described as the hot topic version of MySpace. I feel like I've heard of that website. Fuck you, really? No. I, I feel like I've heard of it because... Because other people, I feel like this is a thing. Either I, either I'm thinking this case, or I'm thinking another case where they met on this particular. Oh my this god! Is it's this case. Oh. So they also chit chatted on Nexapia, which was basically just like a a chat type website. It's oh. like a Canadian thing. I don't know. Hi Canada. Oh. Okay, so um, Jasmine's username was Runaway Devil, and she listed was. that she was 15. But really, in reality, she was 12. So I'm not 100% but even so. sure if he if she told him, like, oh, yeah, I'm 15 instead of 12. She had it listed there. But even 15 and 23, 
I know it's only yeah, it's seven years, but at 15, like that's, that's a big deal. You know, if I'm 21 and you're 28, not as big a deal. But if I'm 15 and you're 23, that to me is a big deal. I mean, <laughs> um, her last post was, quote, welcome to my tragic end. And I definitely feel that has to be like some fallout boy lyrics somewhere. Welcome to my tragic end. That that's definitely a like fucking, a, like that's got to be a simple plan or some, some something. Yeah, yeah, something. So their relationship grew so quickly. They were dating. They moved into falling in love, hearts and kisses. I hate it. Um, they would meet up at every punk rock or emo show in the area that they could. And Jasmine's friend said she went from being like the clean cut, preppy, cute, happy girl to like totally embracing goth life and she turned into a punk chick overnight um so this includes her look fine but yeah i mean you know what when it's like whiplash like that i i'm not a hundred percent sure it's fine like you can have no when it's that quick it's it means you're doing it for somebody exactly or for attention so yeah but like this took over her life you know her look her hobbies her social media posts And all she would do was talk about Jeremy. And if she wasn't online with him, like she was freaking out that he was online, like talking to somebody else. Like it was just, everything was about Jeremy. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. Um, Then Jasmine's parents found out about her little relationship. And I'm sure you can all imagine it didn't end well. It didn't go over well. They were not happy. Um, I think a better descriptive word for them would be furious. Um, I mean, she was immediately grounded. She was forbidden to see him again. Absolutely not. No seeing him, no going to punk rock shows. She wasn't even allowed to go out with her friends because her parents were like, no, you're going to tell me you're going to see little Jessica and you're going to go see Jeremy. I'm not stupid. Like, good job, parents. But it didn't really (laughs) work out so well. So... They didn't stop her, though, from going on the internet. So she was still playing on her vampirefreaks.com and still talking with Jeremy all the fuck time. And then, you know, she's grounded. She's not allowed to do anything but be on her computer, so. Right. Yeah. Um, So during one of their online conversations, because, you know, she was forbidden to see him, but she was not forbidden to talk to him. Like, malicious compliance at its finest, teenagers. Jasmine initiated a conversation about murdering her parents so that she and Jeremy could be together forever and like vampire forever. Yeah. She wrote to him, I have this plan. This is a quote. I have this plan. It begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you. He responded with, well, I love your plan, but we need to get a little more creative with like details and stuff. He's so suave. (laughs) oh he's got this shit together jeremy later posted a blog on his windows live space payment my lover's rents are totally unfair they say they really care they don't know what is going on the just assume it's supposed to be they they just assume but he wrote the just assume um continue Mm -hmm. the quote As their greed continues to consume, she is slowly going insane. She continues to think that I came into her life to help her out and to stop what they keep trying to shout. It's all total bullshit. Their throats, I will slit. They will regret the shit they have done, especially 
when I see to it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence, which he definitely spelled wrong. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment. So Jeremy is a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then Jasmine started telling her friends that she was planning on killing her parents, like on multiple occasions. Like, let's sit at lunch. We'll have our little chicken nuggets. And um, <laughs> let's talk about math. No way. Jasmine's going crazy again. She's talking about killing her parents with her vampire werewolf boyfriend. None of her friends took it seriously, though. They were like, she's just spouting. She's just pissed. She's grounded. You know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like after the fifth time, I'd be like, bro, like... You need to calm down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, take a pill. <laughs> like, you, like, exactly. Calm down. <laughs> like, I know you're mad, but, like, stop. You're wrong. You're exactly. Wrong. Like, oh, I don't like it. So now we're at April 22nd. In preparation for the event, Jeremy watched the 1994 movie Natural Born Killers with his friends. That's that's what Starkweather's murders are based off of. No fucking way! Oh my god. I forgot to say that. Everything's connected. Sorry, I forgot to say that before. That's why they're called the Natural Born Killers, because that movie is based off of that killing spray i fucking can't that's so funny yeah it connected this guy literally watched this movie to get ready and he said that he thinks that it's the best love story of all time natural born killers yeah wasn't it great wasn't it a good oh my god story? i, just I mean titanic <laughs> the notebook and natural born killers are my top three romance and fucking movies <laughs> to watch i don't know what your problem is jennifer <sighs> He then enjoyed a smorgasbord of alcohol, weed, ecstasy, and, of course, cocaine. He dressed up wow. in black, including a neoprene face mask, which, I mean, isn't that the wear uniform? Obviously. Black and masking? Perfect. He's doing so good. And then, let's just pause for, like, a quick second. Okay, let's just, we're going to do a quick recap. So, mm-hmm. The couple met early in 2006 at a punk rock show. We'll call it January. All right. We'll call it January. Okay. The online planning of this whole ordeal started probably late February, early March, because you know they dated for a hot second and then they were like, no, Romeo and Juliet, you can't be together. And then we're already at like the murder, which they planned for about a month. So she's known this werepire for like three and a half months. I want to make sure I, I put this into perspective. The 12-year-old met the 300-year-old about three and a half months ago. This escalates so fucking quickly. So fucking quickly. So Jeremy, in his black neoprene mask, breaks into the basement of the Richardson home. Jeremy Aww. first encounters Deborah, who is Jasmine's mom. And stabs her 12 times, including once in the heart. Oh, my God. Hearing the struggle that's going on in the house, Mark, Jasmine's dad, rushes in after a few minutes. Unfortunately, Jeremy overpowers him, stabbing him 24 times, including nine times in the back. As Mark lay dying, he asked Jeremy why he was murdering the family. And Jeremy's answer was, it's what your daughter wanted. Could you imagine? No. Oh my god. No. Like, 
dying and knowing that your daughter is like wanted this. Oh yeah. my god. So as Jeremy oh god, is downstairs taking care of the parents, Jasmine sneaks into her little brother Tyler's room. Oh, I know. Oh, I he know is going. eight years uh... old. So oh Jasmine god. goes into the room and starts to pretend like she's scared too, and she's trying to protect the little brother. You know, like, oh, don't no. worry, it's no. gonna be okay. Ba ba ba. Then Tyler saw that she had a knife. And, um... I don't like it. She she later tells police that he actually pleaded for his life, saying, I'm scared and I'm too young to die. She stabbed him five times in the chest. By this time... How do you... I don't know. I don't know. How do you do this to your brother? By this time, Jeremy is done downstairs and he made his way upstairs to, like, check on jasmine and see how she's doing with the younger one tyler unfortunately hadn't passed away yet so jeremy wanting to finish the deal just slit his throat and jasmine describes the gurgling noises that tyler made as he died later in court it's really gross i just like maybe it's because i have siblings but like i have never been so obsessed with something or like mad at that where i've been like i want to stab you like i can't imagine yeah like how do you do that i mean she claims she did it because she didn't want him to have to live without their parents oh that's what they always say yeah that's... so i killed my parents but i had to kill him so that way he wasn't alone in the world he he wasn't alone he yeah. could be with my, my yeah. parents so go fuck yourself when they finished these brutal murders, Jasmine and Jeremy went to a restaurant where they were seen laughing and kissing and being like, cute couple things. <sighs> Hate that. Later, after, you know, they had their meal at the diner or wherever they went, they met up <laughs> with Jeremy's friend, Casey Lancaster, who was their getaway driver. Like, they drove to a parking lot to wash all the blood off the car as best they could. They went to, like, the restaurant, like, covered in blood still. Nobody called. Nobody said anything. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And they have this on camera. Like, on a CC camera. Uh, I'm like... And nobody thought, hmm, let me call the cops. Let me do whatever. But... Yeah. So, I, uh... Yeah. So, whatever blood got on the car from them getting in and out, they washed all that off. They washed the murder weapon, which was a large folding knife that, you know, Jeremy had. And by the time they were done... And, like, they had driven for a while. It was super late. They couldn't get into the gas station, so they couldn't get more gas. And they kind of just pulled off into, like, an abandoned lot and locked the doors and fell asleep. So they're approximately 100 miles away now. Okay. And they're taking a nap. On April 23rd, a six-year-old neighbor boy goes over to try and play with Tyler. So he gets there and he knocks on the door and he's knocking. He's ringing the bell. Nobody's coming. He sees there are cars in the driveway, so he's like, what the fuck? Tyler, I want to play with you. So he goes around to the backyard, and he tries to get in the backyard to see maybe they're back there and they couldn't hear. Nobody's back there. So he goes back around to the front oh, of the house honey. where there's a window to the basement. So he looks oh, in the honey. window, being a six-year-old, and he sees Deborah and Mark's bodies laying on the floor in the basement. Oh, and he honey. sees blood everywhere. So this kid ran the fuck home and tells his mom. I mean, 
And his mom calls the police and asks for a wellness check. Because she's kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, what do you mean they're laying yeah. on the floor? Are you sure it's blood? All right, I'll call the police. You know, like, but if this isn't right, they're going to come and arrest you. Like, I don't know if this is what happened. But I can definitely see his mom being like, okay, Johnny. Yeah. Like, okay. Because it's. Yeah. So Inspector Brent Secundiak nailed it was the first on the scene and he also saw what this little kid saw and awaited backup before entering the house. Yeah. When a team arrived, they entered the premises and it was a fucking bloodbath. Defensive wounds show that the Richardsons definitely fought for their lives, but were obviously overpowered. One police officer said, I've seen lots of bad scenes and lots of dead bodies, but very few children and very few children ever in this state. After the police took stock and realized Jasmine's body was not in the house, the investigation quickly pivoted to searching for what they assumed was a kidnapped 12-year-old girl. Amber Alert immediately issued um, an Inspector Brent Secondiac, fucking killing it today, wasn't he said it wasn't even in the realm of possibility that she was an accused person like she was not a person of interest they automatically thought she was kidnapped until police searched her locker for clues and found some of her quote-unquote writings did they start to consider her a suspect so they found a cartoon strip where that jasmine had made and it included her two family members her mom and dad burning like she was burning the family a lot good yeah that's i mean that's yeah as you do as you do um, at this mm-hmm. point, I want to say that the community and the police department, they weren't really well versed in investigations like this. Considering it was the safe, a safe community, it was considered, you know, one of the most idyllic places to live and all that stuff. A murder or something of this nature happening was so out of the realm of their expertise I'm not saying they, right. like, this isn't like a Jean Benet where they fucked everything up, but they, they definitely, like, kind of staggered and they were trying to figure this out as they went. Um, yeah. I don't think they did a horrible job on this case, but there were definitely spots where, like, you didn't think this through. And I don't even really get into it because it they got what they needed to out of this. They figured out who did it, obviously. Yeah. Right. So after finding the evidence in Jasmine's locker, the police start to look further. They discover multiple online accounts for both of these people. So now they're starting to put everything together. They find they were flirting. They found that they were plotting the murders. Just young love. Oh, that goodness. So April 24th, Jasmine, Jeremy, and Casey wake up. This is obviously the next day. Casey left to go to the gas station that they tried to go to the date before. And she sees on the front page of the paper this murder. Now, Casey is completely blindsided. I think the blood the night before probably should have tipped you off that something bad yeah. happened. But she was under the I impression. I was going to say. <laughs> she was under the impression that Jasmine's parents were mistreating her. And she had to run away from being abused. Like, this is the story they told Casey. You know, she has an abusive family. She wants to escape. We're going to help her run. I mean, Okay. <laughs> Very but, noble, noble thought on Casey's But what about part. all the blood? Like, like did you just think that didn't tip what? you off like, she didn't have a nosebleed. There's way too much blood for a nosebleed and she didn't forget a tampon. So I really think this it, should have tipped her off a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
So she goes back to the truck to tell Jasmine and Jeremy what she saw. And within minutes of getting back to the truck, it was almost like a movie, like perfect timing. They were surrounded by police. Huh. Literally, they were found 100 miles away the next day in Saskatchewan. Like, you were not very good at this whole murdering thing. <laughs> so Jasmine and Jeremy were arrested and charged with three counts of first-degree murder each. They did not deny what they did, and they didn't really fight being arrested. They just kind of went calmly. Um, while they were waiting trial, they are still trading letters. So in one letter... Jeremy actually ends up proposing to Jasmine. And she accepts. So they're engaged now. We knew each other for three and a half months. He is, what is it? 11 years older than her in real life. Like 200, <laughs> 200 and some odd years older than her in like vampire werewolf land. But they're getting married now. Unfortunately, a few years later, just we're going to cut to really quick. A few years later, they she calls off the engagement. I guess the, the age difference just really wasn't doing it for her. Um, I mean, maybe not. The, I guess not the murder. I don't know. So, I don't I know if was, I could call I it the murder. Weird. I definitely think it was the 300 year age gap. That's just my mm -hmm. personal take on my research. But yeah, they um they didn't uh, <laughs> they didn't get married. In May of 2006, Casey was charged with accessory to murder and obstruction of justice for being the getaway driver and helping dispose of evidence. Um, of they did drop the accessory to murder charge and she pled guilty to the obstruction charge. And that's stuck in Medicine Hat Provincial Court. She received one year of house arrest as part of her plea bargain and she was ordered to refrain from drugs and alcohol. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I'll, I'll go with that one. In June of 2007, Jasmine went on trial. She was now 14 at the time. Just make sure you remember she's 14. It started when she was 12. She is the youngest person ever charged with multiple counts of murder in Canada to this day. Youngest person. She pled not guilty to the three counts of murder. At trial, Jasmine was asked why she wanted to murder her parents and her brother. Her response was, I loved him meaning Jeremy. I loved him mm -hmm. so much. I thought it would bring us closer. After a month of trial proceedings, the jury was out for three hours coming back with a guilty verdict on all three charges. In November of 2007, Jasmine was sentenced to 10 years in prison. That is the maximum allowed by the youth criminal justice act in Canada. Yeah. So yeah, I knew that that was coming. Yeah. In Canada, the TCJA says that, any con any convicts who were under the age of 14 at the time they committed the crime cannot be charged as adults and can be given a maximum sentence of 10 years. So that's, that's where that is. Yeah. Also because of the act, Jasmine Richardson had been listed as JR from the moment she became a suspect, even to this day, like in Canada, she's still listed as JR. Jasmine's sentence included credit for 18 months time served, with four years to be spent in a psychiatric facility, followed by four and a half years under conditional supervision in the community. So she got off really fucking light. That's what I'm basically yeah. saying here. Jeremy's mm -hmm. trial started in December of 2008. Well, he's 300, so he's definitely going to get charged. Oh, yeah, he's in trouble. He's <laughs> in big fucking trouble. Um, he was found guilty. <laughs> Shock. 
and sentenced to three concurrent life sentences with the possibility of parole after 25 years, despite his mother, Jacqueline May, testifying that he was abused and mistreated as a child. And Jasmine's uncle, so this is Deborah's brother, actually gave a statement saying that he had forgiven both Jeremy and Jasmine. So even though these two things happened, they still were like, nah, man, we're throwing the book at this motherfucker. So mm. as of today, as of right now, as per the guidelines of her sentencing, Jasmine Richardson was released in 2011 to serve time under conditional supervision in the community. In September mm -hmm. of 2011, she became a freshman at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta. Her 10-year-old sentence was officially completed in 2016, and she has been fully released into the public sector. They have issued her a new name, and she is living somewhere in Alberta. I'm sure the government is still tracking her, but her name, yeah. her new name has not been released. I have no clue how, when, what, how, where, why she is. Um, but during her final court appearance prior to being released from the Canadian criminal justice system, Jasmine thanked the judge and the courts, but never apologized or expressed remorse for her actions. There are a few people from the area who feel that justice has been served, and some think she served, like, way too little time for the crimes. Inspector mm -hmm. Brent Secondiac said something to the effect of he isn't sure if she has been rehabilitated, but hopes that she hasn't tricked the system. We haven't heard anything else about her, so I guess she's doing right. okay. She's doing decently. As for Jeremy... He changed his name to Jackson May. May is his mother's maiden name. And he is eligible for parole in 2033, where he will be about 50 years old. And that is the story okay. of the Richardson murders. Huh. Yeah, every country has their own form of justice. I know that Canada, I don't think they necessarily do the death penalty. I, I think it's in like extreme, extreme cases, but... I think that there's a maximum and then there's a, I don't know. I always remembered being like, what the fuck? Yeah. But I don't like it. Great. Not like, even that's, a little that bit. Sounds, um, that sounds great. I learned about this um, from this episode. Um, don't date 300 year old werepires. Um, they are not a good Which influence. don't exist. And yeah. Oh, well, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they don't exist. That's another good thing, yeah. If someone tells you they're a 300-year-old werepire and are wearing blood around their neck, they're a fucking liar. Um, because they definitely bought that at Spirit Halloween. And they are 23. And just have mm -hmm. mommy slash daddy issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think this kind of goes into, like, an obsessive relationship and the idea of... Because both girls in our story were very young yes and yours was just like oh my god i'm obsessed and usually when you think of like a 12 to 15 year old girl whenever a guy gives attention that's like the best thing ever so it's scary and this is fucked up but i also learned that your case was uh, we accidentally connected them because natural born killers. my case was Natural Born Killers was based off of my case, and your guy watched it because he was like, I need to do this. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's, it's every have you everything ever comes full circle. Born Killers? I've never seen it. I have not. Oh, maybe we'll I've do a not. watch party. That'll be fun. We can watch it together. We could do that. We That'd could. Be fun. And talk yeah. about how it's the best love story ever told. I mean, it's the best love story next to Notebook. <laughs> okay, fam. Well, thank you for joining us again. Always make sure that you're following our social media. We do run, obviously, giveaways and fun little things. You can always stay up to date with us. So follow us over there. Rate, review, subscribe our pod to our podcast, Spotify, Facebook, and iTunes you can review. So please keep doing that. That helps us out so much. Like, I cannot tell you how much that helps. If you want to get some of our merch or maybe get some more content, head over to our website where you can reach our merch and Patreon pages. Um, I think that's it. Did yeah. I cover everything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and have Thanks. a happy Halloween. We'll next time, Halloween. <laughs> okay, bye bye. And of course, stay spooky, everybody.